Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. After such a heavy series on Jeremiah, let's do something even heavier, the Trinity. Um, it's attributed to Tertullian that if you try to study the Trinity, you'll lose your mind, which I felt like I did this week. I felt a little, a little bit mad at one point. I was like, man, like, but if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. Um, the Trinity is, yeah, it's very, very complex, very, very complex document, um, doctrine, to say the least. Just getting my laptop up now. But it's super important for us, for our salvation, for our faith, for who we are as God's people. And so, yeah, today we're going to spend the, the first part looking at God the Father and also doing an introduction to the Trinity. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Ian. Um, Ooh, all right. <laughs> Hello. Hey, all right. Um, we kind of figured that out of the three parts of the Trinity, the Father is the one that in some ways we probably actually know and understand the most about because he is the traditional sort of way that we view God. And I think that this is why we're going to be spending the first half on the Trinity as how they kind of all work together and then we'll get into the Father. But if you have any questions say about the Trinity as a whole, I'm not saying we're going to be able to answer them, but it'll be great questions I think anyway to even bring up and then we will explore the Father. So be thinking about today both questions about the Trinity and about the Father. But this kind of puzzle that is the Trinity, this sort of enigmatic theological Mm. mystery, has been something that's been kind of plaguing church fathers for centuries, right? Yeah, so if we can go to the first slide. Here's here's here a a, a painting of St. Augustine. And according to legend, it changes around a bit when St. Augustine was writing his book on the Trinity bit like me, was gone a bit mad and decided to go for a walk on the beach. And there he saw a little boy, had a hole and he had a seashell. He was scooping up the water. And Augustine asked the boy, oh, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to fill the ocean into my hole. And Augustine's like, that's that's impossible. You cannot do that. And this is where the, the legends kind of, you know, change. The boy apparently looked at Augustine and said, my, um, Indeed, um, it, the child looked at him and said, indeed, but I will sooner draw all the water from a scene empty in his hole than you will succeed in penetrating the mystery of the Holy Trinity with your limited understanding. Uh, apparently the boy disappeared. So that is how the story goes. But I think it's a great illustration that we are like children trying to fill the ocean into this tiny hole. We are dealing with God who is so beyond our finite comprehension that... Yeah, this is just our meagre attempts to try to understand him Mm. a little deeper. Mm. And so obviously this idea, first of all, that God is one, that in and of itself, especially for Jews in the Old Testament, was quite a revolutionary idea for the ancient Near East, right? Mm. So for a community coming in saying we worship a single God, God is one, what would have that meant for the surrounding sort of tribes, surrounding sort of people? Yeah, um, so if we can go to the next slide, thanks, Matt. This is the Shema, Shema Israel. You would say this every day. 
here. The hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. That's what Jews pray every day. What's radical about this is the Bible claims that Yahweh is not just a tribal God, a God of this little area of Canaan. The Bible declares that Yahweh is creator. He is Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God. God over all the world. Every nation believed that different gods had different areas. Gods of war, gods for the Canaanites, gods for the Babylonians, all that. The Bible declares that there is one God over everything. That's what's unique about it. That he, and what, what this God does is he doesn't have a consul, he doesn't have a wife. He creates by speaking, which is also radical. He doesn't create by fighting or defeating other gods. He creates by speaking, not without having a wife. It's just utterly unique from the ancient world to this belief in one God. Mm. Um, we might just quickly uh, check. I think Mentimeter might not be working and I oh, can no. kind of chat about. So obviously this idea of the Trinity is something that we as Christians understand and accept as doctrine. But funnily enough, the word Trinity is nowhere in the Old Testament or New Testament. But what we are given is insight into how we should understand this. So if we see the new trendy language in the New Testament, which is, yep, perfect. Um, yeah, Matthew 28 is a kind of very clear one where Jesus is calling his disciples. It's the Great Commission at mm. the end of Matthew. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we see right here, even again in 2 Corinthians, when Paul writes, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. So we're kind of assuming, again, and this is something we'll talk about in a bit, but sometimes God the Father can just take on the title of God, which can get a bit confusing because he is obviously a unique part of the Trinity. Um, and we can sometimes almost elevate the Father to a higher level of God because when we're talking about the Father, we can just say God. And that's fine. There is nothing wrong with that because the Father is God just as much as Jesus and the Holy Spirit are God. But we can limit maybe the understanding of how much Jesus and the Holy Spirit are God when we only ever refer to the Father directly as God. But anyway, tangent, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then finally, 1 Peter 1, 1 to 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he essentially at the end says, you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So there's this idea that we see, this is obviously a theology and a doctrine which continued to be formed and refined with the early church fathers, but is very clearly in the New Testament as something that mm. is theologically true and sound. Mm. So one of the things that I guess as the Hebrew Bible, it gives us this idea of God being three persons in one. And we'll look at this quickly when we explore Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that yeah, the Trinity just didn't appear out of thin air. But what the Bible does, it gives us narratives. So it tells a story and just kind of leaves us hanging. And my favourite is, and we'll pick up next week, is when Abraham invites three guests. Two of them are angels, one of them is Yahweh. Mm. And you're like, what? That's, that's just what it says, is that there's three men. One of them is the Lord, Yahweh. And Abraham talks to him about Sodom and Gomorrah. And you're like, I'm trying to process that about what that means. And so that's how the Hebrews operate. They tell stories, drop these massive bombshells mm -hmm. that you're left scratching your head about. Mm -hmm. 
And so when we got to the New Testament times, the church, as it became less Hebrew and more Greek, started putting in language that wasn't from the Scripture, but a way to help us mm. understand the Bible better. And so, as you can see in these passages there, we have what is called Trinitarian theology. But the word Trinity is not there. So, if we look at the next slide... We might just quickly check, is the Mentimeter there, there working? There is working, and we have... Oh, someone's, uh, asked, uh, someone's asked us a couple of questions, which we we'll, might pick up towards Sounds the good. end. And one of the questions that just came through is, where did the word Trinity originate? Mm. Well, it just means triune. Well, that was easy. Um, so the technical word, if you look in a systematic the theological textbook like this... You can knock someone out to, with that. Yeah, I know, which is I had to look at at Bible college. I had to read like two of these to pass. It was... And you, yeah, it's something that you have to do when you go to college. The, the, do, the, the definition is the doctrine of the Trinity means that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God is one in essence, three in person. And that, that's kind of the, that's what most Christians will talk about. But that's also confusing, the word of person. It's like, well, what? Yeah. When I think person, I think you. I'm a person. You're a person. person. Yeah, like there's a Yeah. The word person could mean mask in Greek. And so there is confusion there. So sometimes the church will talk about essence. God is one God, but three in essence. It's confusing. But just because it's confusing and difficult doesn't mean that we shouldn't study it mm. and explore it because our salvation rides upon this. If God wasn't triune, if God wasn't a trinity, the three in one, you and I wouldn't be here because Jesus wouldn't have come to save us. God wouldn't have sent his son. The spirit wouldn't come to sanctify us. And that's why I actually was keen to do this series is that every week when we come into church and we worship, we're actually worshiping God as a trinity, whether we recognize it or not, in the language that we mm. use, the fact that we just had communion earlier, we're worshiping this God who is Father, Son, and Holy mm. Spirit. And just having a great grounding in that, I pray today is that you'll develop a deeper love for God, but a more expressive faith in the God that we worship. Mm. So anyway, these are some big words. Trinity, persons, being, essence. It's like it can go a little bit over your head. But as that quote I said before, if you deny it, if you study a Trinity, you're going to lose your mind. But if you deny it, you will lose your soul. And this is how God has revealed himself. And so just because it's hard doesn't mean that we shouldn't study it. So let's... let's yeah. So, jump. well, like I know that a lot of us probably first came um, to teachings of the Trinity, probably maybe in Sunday school or youth group or just somebody trying to explain it in an applicable way and uh, accessible way. I think one of two very popular uh, metaphors that we have seen is either God is water, right? So as far as in um, the way of the Trinity, water can exist in a gas, a liquid or a solid. And then likewise, God is an egg. You've got the shell, the yolk and the white. Now, these metaphors are obviously helpful to get us into the room to start to understand the Trinity, but it's actually, they've both got their own limitations. And we're going to look at, in a second, we won't go to that slide yet, how both of these analogies fall short. But I want to encourage us in the, just this next few minutes, turn to the person next to you, choose one of those two metaphors, and try to figure out for what we've been speaking about so far and what your understanding is of the Trinity, where do those metaphors fall short? We'll 
We'll give you a couple of minutes to chat about it and then we'll come back in a second. So where do those metaphors, just choose one of them, fall short when describing the Trinity? All right. Why don't we put you out of your misery? Um, but thank you. Thank you for giving a red hot go. Because it is hard, right, when we start to try to engage this stuff. So let's look at first the metaphor of water, solid, gas. Where this sort of falls short as far as understanding the Trinity in a more holistic way is its modalism. So, Mitch, what is modalism? Well, modalism um, is a fancy way of saying that God um, is one... One God, but has revealed himself in like a mode, a different mode. So in the Old Testament, he's re revealed himself as Father, then revealed himself as Son, then revealed himself as Holy Spirit. So it denies God being one and three. And so that's probably if, if, if classified as a heresy, which is very strong language. The church had to fight against this. It's probably something that... Christians perhaps are unintentionally might think of where you don't recognize that Jesus and Father and, and the Spirit are all one. And so we just can kind of think, oh, in the Old Testament, God revealed himself as this angry Father, and the New Testament revealed himself as Jesus. Yeah. And then now God is just revealing himself to the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. like, well, just no, it's the one in three mystery. Yeah. So that's why modalism doesn't work. That's yeah. why the whole. Yeah, so God, God yeah. is all three things at the same time. He's not yeah. just one version. Yeah. He's not like a transformer where he's a car <laughs> yes. now, now he's a Megatron. It's yeah. like one different. That's good. It's all three at the same time. Yes, all and right, that's cool. why the, the solid liquid gas sort of doesn't work. All right. oh God. Cool. Yeah. So then with the Trinity as an egg for the shell, white and yolk, that sort of brings up its own little misunderstanding of tritheism. Yeah. So we've looked at modalism. What is tritheism? <laughs> tritheism. Where does that fall short? Yeah, it's like a Bible college lecture. Um, tritheism is believing that God is three. So three gods. It's probably something that not many of us would ever get confused about. But if you think of God being like that, that shell, the white and the yolk, you can fall in that danger of oh, God being... Like three. Yeah. Three gods. Yeah. But it's like, well, it's not actually. Yeah. That's the mystery of it is that Jesus isn't another God. He is Yahweh. Mm. The Father and I are one. The Holy Spirit isn't a separate God. And mm. so... Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what tritheism is, is, believing that there's three gods. Yeah. Like, I always say if I go to a cafe and order eggs on toast and just get shell on toast, I'm going to be really disappointed, right? Because that's <laughs> not what I ordered. And this is the idea where that falls short, where ultimately the shell doesn't actually represent the wholeness of God. And really, the yolk or the white doesn't fully represent the wholeness of God in the way that the Trinity is, the Holy Spirit is fully God, the Father is fully God, the Son is fully God. So then there's a third sort of heresy that we want to look at, which is Arianism, which we couldn't think of an applicable metaphor for. One. But yeah. do you want to unpack Arianism yeah, so, a little bit for us? So Arianism is the belief that Jesus is, well, was a created being. So when you hear Jesus being the son of God, a lot, number of religions believe this, say Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, that Jesus was the first and greatest created being. So Ari Arius... Yeah, Eric. Yeah, it's saying this way. You know, Arius was a, a heretic who taught that Jesus was the first created being, and mm. so Arianism is the belief that Jesus isn't God, mm. but just some sort mm. of angel. 
Yeah, and it's really interesting because a majority of the early church heresies were around the Trinity in some way or another. So it is confusing. It is something that the early church not only saw as something that needed to be defined more, but also something that when we get wrong is really problematic. If we've got any uh, more questions, please feel free to pop them up. But we, let's... we did have one, which I'm going to answer. So in Genesis 1.27, God says, let us make man in our image. Uh, and... What's, what's interesting about that is there's a bit of debate about the let us make man our image. Um, some people argue that it's God just talking to the divine council. So the divine council was the angels that would advise him on different things. Some see it as pointing to the Trinity. Mm. So not necessarily proving the Trinity, but showing that there is this unity together. And we sort of know that from Genesis 1-1, like, beginning, or I should say 1-2, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the world, and God said. And so we know that there's already God's Spirit, God speaking. So the let us, and most Christian commentators will argue that it's not proving the Trinity, but it's pointing to there's a plurality of persons mm. there. And um, well, in the last few minutes of uh, today, let's look at God the Father. Uh, and let's quickly just go through a few different images that we kind of famously know. Obviously, Michelangelo's creation of Adam. Uh, yeah, well, what's going on here? Oh, well, that's God creating Adam. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I understand it now. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So the, I suppose, representation of God in these. Oh, yeah, no, please feel yeah, free to go one. to the next one. Yeah, it seems to all have a similarity in all three of these images, the, the final one as well. Um, yeah, God, what do, you, what the, do you notice here? How is God the Father presented in all these images? Good beard, beard, yeah. yeah. And, and what's his age? It's old. And what does that do? If so, if the bulk of your Western Christian art, which I actually think breaches Exodus 20 about not making an image of God, but if thou implied image of God the Father is a bearded man in the sky, what does that do? It, well, for me, it limits the mm. God we worship. It, it limits so our perception of him. If you've had a, a bad father, you're going to think of God that way, this bearded old man in the sky. Or you might think of him as a bearded grandfather figure in the sky. And you say, like, shows like Family Guy. Mm. What's that movie called? Bruce Almighty. It's yeah, Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. It's, Black guy in a white suit. That's good, yeah. obviously. Yeah. It, it, it reduces what God is, mm. who he is, and what he's done. And so if there's only one thing to remember today, is that God isn't a bearded man in the sky. Mm. God isn't a father's how we understand so there's obviously stuff in the bible where it talks about you know god's nostrils or god's hands and Mm. god's arms so what's going on there if they're describing these things that's an anthropomorphism anthropomorphism (laughs) all right so essentially just a metaphor (laughs) a metaphor (laughs) it's a putting human characteristics to god to describe something but it's interesting you talked about nose Mm. so let's let's when we think of God the Father, we often can re- think of God being angry. Yeah, the wrath of God. The definitely. wrath of God. So the Old Testament image of God as being this wrathful, angry, vengeful yeah, God. Yeah. And whether you know his name or not, many of us have been influenced by an early heretic called Marcion, who taught the Old Testament God was a God of wrath and anger and rage. The New Testament God was a God of love. And funnily enough, that's how we got our first canon, because mm. Marcion got rid of all the Old Testament, 
He only kept the gospel of Luke. The other three gospels were too Jewish for him mm. and, only, and only Paul's letters. Mm. So and then so, the church's response was, yeah, we've got to, to figure out what's yeah. our official canon in response to this heretic. Yeah, and how we understand yeah, God of the Old Testament mm. and the New Testament. And yeah. so what's interesting, God the Father, if we look at the next slide, the depiction of God is from Exodus. This is this self-revelation to Moses in Exodus 34. And God says here, the Lord or Yahweh, Yahweh, God, uh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. He keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions and sins. And he will no means leave the guilty unpunished. Mm. That is the image of God as father. Mm. What's cool in Hebrew, Hebrew doesn't just use the word, oh, I'm slow to anger. To be angry in Hebrew is you like flare your nostrils or make your nostrils hot. So you know what the opposite of that is? Have a long nose. That's like you can imagine reading that. Yeah, Yahweh, Yahweh is yeah, compassionate and gracious. Long of nose. How awesome would that be? But that's the idea is actually God's wrath and anger, which we can, if we have that bearded white man image, this angry God, it's anger in response to evil and injustice. And if you read scripture, we see God's long nose everywhere. Mm. He doesn't, particularly looked at Jeremiah, he didn't exile the, the Jews straight away. There was hundreds of years. There is so much warning. All that pain that is poured out, mm. that God, that's God's heart. That's God's heart as father. He doesn't want his children going astray. It's actually showing us this deep, deep love. And what's cool too, there's a question about image God with male and female, is that word compassionate can also be womb. So this, it's built off that root word of womb. So even within God being depicted, depicted as a father, as a man, there's still like feminine characteristics. Both humans, male and female, carry um, the image of God. Mm. And so in that passage there, we see God is compassionate, like a mother, slow, Long of nose, I should say, slow to anger. Mm. And that's who God yeah. as Father is. Mm. So I want to respect everyone's time. Should we jump forward to so we what? We should, yes. Let's jump forward we to so We should indeed. Because so we have heaps of questions. We have to pick up these next week. That's cool. So mm. um, maybe we could even do an episode of Banter this week. Yes. Those questions. So, so what? What is the relevance of God the Father? And I think in some way more importantly, what would we actually miss if we stripped God the Father from the Trinity? Yeah, so we see at the beginning of creation... God the Father is the God the Creator, the one who speaks. We would miss that. We wouldn't be here. Planet Earth wouldn't exist. God the Father, and this is the mystery, which I still cannot wrap my head around, is that God knew what would happen, foreordained us. Mm -hmm. But it was God's plan to send Jesus for redemption. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have that. God the Father is all for our salvation. And Jesus reveals... Yahweh as Father. It's interesting that in the Gospels that Jesus prays to him as Abba. Abba is an Aramaic word and most of the Gentile churches didn't speak Aramaic. But the early church recognized something so significant about this to pray to God as Abba, as Father. Shows an intimacy, mm. a depth there. Jesus does that. We can too. We can be called the children of God. Mm. That's what... In many ways, breaking up Father, Son and Spirit, it's a little bit artificial because you can't. They're all interlinked. It's one God, three persons. 
They can just walk away with that knowledge that, yeah, the Trinity is a deep mystery, mm. something deeply, deeply profound that we'll never wrap our head around. We're just 2D yeah, shapes living in a 3D. God's in that space. We just cannot comprehend that. But we can comprehend. It's like God loves us. Mm. God sent Jesus for us. And Jesus has made a way to pray to God as Father so we can have that deep intimacy with him. And just, yeah, finish off that. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Um, thank you. And we'll unpack the rest of those questions in Banter's Week. So if you've never listened to Banter, you'll have to listen in because there's some great questions that mm. came through. Mm. That's great. So, Would you like to close in prayer? I'd love to close in prayer for us. And Lord, as we yeah, have tried to briefly comprehend the mystery of you, Lord, I pray that we can be people who are comfortable and living in that mystery where we don't try to solve every different facet of you, but live with that mystery of you being one God, but revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And particularly today on Father's Day, to remember you as our Heavenly Father and that language that Jesus has given us to pray to you as our Abba, as our Father. That, Lord, that we will experience that deep intimacy of you. You are the God who is slow to anger. You're not a God of wrath. You are compassionate because you express that love to us by sending Jesus. So I pray your blessing upon us. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.